I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. We're here today with Sarah Pulliam-Bailey. She is a national correspondent for Religion News Service. Before that, she served as online editor of Christianity Today, where she interviewed people like Barack Obama in the midst of his 2008 campaign, Mike Huckabee, Malcolm Gladwell, Condoleezza Rice, and Tim Tebow, just to name a few. She's also a former contributor to the excellent Get Religion blog on Patheos, a site that critiques stories about religion in the media. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you attended Wheaton College in Illinois, where you headed up their campus newspaper for several years. Uh, Where did this passion for newspapers and journalism come from? Because it seems like you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, I I did start at Wheaton. That's where I started doing journalism for the most part. Um, And I always wanted to go into newspapers and wanted to cover Um, Just anything like cops and courts, which are sort of general assignment newspaper beats. But while I was at Wheaton, I did an internship with Christianity Today, and um, that's where I sort of like got clued into what religion news looks like. Um, I always thought, oh, I want to cover normal news, like general news. I don't want to be pigeonholed into religion um, necessarily. But when I was at Christianity Today, that's where I discovered that religion is actually a really great way to cover all beats because you can write about religion and politics, religion and business, religion and education. Um, And so it was just a great lens uh, with which to look at the world with. I'm curious, what part of uh, covering religion, I'm wondering what the connection is between going to a Christian school like Wheaton College and, and then covering religion. I mean, do you have a unique perspective coming from a religious background yourself or that you think you might not have had if you went to, say, a more secular college? Um, so, to some extent, yes. I think, I mean, you can be non-religious and cover religion just as well as anybody who comes from a religious background. But I do think that um, I sort of am in tune with what people who are religious are talking about. Just, you know, like my, I mean, as basic as my Facebook friends are talking about this all the same thing. It must be a big news story. Um, or, you know, just again, the people you're clued into, you tend to be because of your education background. Um, and so, like I said, I don't think you have to be religious to cover religion well, but I am clued into certain things. And I'm, I'm very aware of how important religion is to people. Growing up in a family where religion was so core to, um, core to everything we did, and including, you know, not just Sundays, but like throughout the week, where, where we volunteered, where, how we gave our money, that sort of thing. So I understand how uh, important religion is to people, no matter what faith they come, uh, you know, they come from, whether it's Muslim or Mormon or evangelical, Catholic, that sort of thing. Um, And I think also just, again, coming from a religious background, I think knowing that all religions sort of take a golden rule, do unto others as as you would want them to do unto you. Um, And I try to sort of practice that in my reporting just in general. Like if I'm covering somebody who's not of my faith, I try to treat them, you know, in their religion, how I would want my faith and my my religion treated. Um, So... um, Again, you don't have to be religious, but I do think that it, it does shape my coverage in some ways. So you've you've had the opportunity to interview a, re- a lot of really high-profile people, but is there anybody who's kind of escaped your grasp that you'd love to uh, to chat with? Is there anybody who... Who you still haven't sorry. been able to talk to who you'd like to? 
anybody I'd like to interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so Hillary Clinton is somebody who I would just love to like sit down and talk to her more. Um, in that she has like a really strong faith background, but she doesn't talk about it very much. She's United Methodist, um, and she, you know, whenever she talks about her favorite books, she cites the Bible, that sort of thing. Um, but I think what I would really like to pick apart is how faith influences or maybe doesn't influence her policy, um, where it is appropriate and where it isn't appropriate. Um, especially when, I mean, when she was Secretary of State, she dealt with a lot of uh, religion and foreign policy issues, and I would just love to uh, go through that with her, with what, um, what issues she, or countries that she was really concerned about or interested in as she was Secretary of State, relig- you know, whether it's international religious freedom or just other issues that related to uh, uh, issues of faith because she has a strong faith background. And she's married, you know, to someone who's Baptist. Um, and I'd love to, you know, sort of pick apart what that's like. Well, and I think you bring up a really interesting point in terms of, you know, somebody like Hillary Clinton who does have a faith background versus some politicians, um, but she doesn't speak about it. That's not something she brings up or um or That almost panders. sounds like a Democrat thing as well, where is, they, they'll say they're religious, but they don't really elaborate as much as Republican candidates who would. Who lean on it. Yeah. Would, I mean, that has to just be a right wing versus left wing is, thing, is it right? is it just a political party thing or are democrats just really uh, bad at talking about their faith be, it might be but I, I mean barack obama was so he talked about his faith all the time and part of that was as you might recall people thought he might be muslim um so he had a sort of like bringing up his question of faith all the time i also think that um you know with the the base of the democratic party being some of whom are um, black that i think that uh, there's a lot, there's a lot, like, you know, uh, President Clinton, Bill Clinton could talk about his faith and sort of appeal to that demographic, those who go to black churches and that sort of thing. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a, a Republican versus Democrat thing. Um, I do think it, it's probably, like, received more openly in the Republican Party. Sure. Um, and sure, it may be a turn off to some Democratic voters, but I also think that it might be, like, Hillary Clinton coming from a mainline Protestant perspective. I wonder if that, you know, it's just like the the how you talk about faith is so different. It's not so, so evangelical or so um, so open uh, the same way that maybe Barack Obama talked about his faith or Mike Huckabee obviously would talk right. about his faith. Let me let me ask you a question, because this is something that I've talked about with a lot of people I associate with, which is, look, in general, and I, I know I'm oversimplifying this, uh, very religious people predominantly vote uh, Republican. Secular people tend to vote Democrat. Um, but one of the problems is, you know, while Republicans tend to really reach out to their religious base, Democrats, Democrat candidates they don't really seem to reach out to the non-religious block out there. And you know the demographics as well as anyone. There are so many people out there who are religiously unaffiliated. Why are Democrats so afraid, I guess, in a sense, of reaching out to those people who have no religious affiliation? Because it seems like they're play- they're going by the same playbook as the Republicans are. They're They're using their religious language, regardless of where they stand on religion. And they play to a religious base, but it seems like the rest of us are kind of left out in the dust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, as I 
no, you already know this. Just because you're religiously unaffiliated doesn't mean you're necessarily like non-religious um, or yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. You might be spiritual. You might you sort of might like appreciate values or sort of the the role of religion in society, um, rather being rather than being anti-religion, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so sure. I'm trying to think of ways like the Democratic Party could reach out to non-religious voters in. Uh, in a way that wouldn't turn off, you know, again, this... Sure, uh, you don't want to turn off the religious or, space either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a tricky balance, right? Like, yeah. Because a lot of people might be religiously unaffiliated without being anti-religion. Right. So you don't want to play to that anti-religion feel if, even if people are religiously unaffiliated. So I think, I think it's a really tricky thing. How do you... What, what ways would you do that? Would you, you know, be more... Pro- and talk about more being more pro-choice if that's what those religiously unaffiliated would value. I guess if um, anything, sort of like, I would think some of those Democrats. I mean, don't I, I think it's a stupid political move to to try to pander to the like anti-religious base. You're not going to win any votes with right, that. Right. But I think you could make a lot of uh, headway if you said, you know, I support church-state separation. I think religion should be a matter privately decided. I think you could appeal to to that whole unaffiliated base by saying more things like that. And I wonder why those candidates don't do it more often. Because even abortion I mean, is maybe a very controversial. I would, but I would ask the question, is that what they want? Like, is that their strongest value? Do the polls show that those who are religiously unaffiliated desperately want the separation of church and state? Is that their sort of highest um, goal? Or are there other things that they tend to value um, that maybe Democratic or, you know, uh, maybe it's immigration reform, maybe it's... Um, gay marriage, but it's not necessarily like a an unaf- religiously unaffiliated issue. Right. Well, gay um, marriage is a perfect example where mm-hmm. I think pretty much, uh, I, I forgot the exact number, but the, the vast majority of unaffiliated people mm-hmm. would say they support marriage equality. And that's right. that's an easy way to build uh, points with that base by bringing that up. Well, and and right. I don't know don't if that's... Don't you think the Democratic Party is sort of making that, like they're owning that issue? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree so. with you. I think they're definitely doing better on that issue. Um, I, 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 it always just bothers me that they just don't even bother to pander to. to they don't even give lip service to the all the people who are out there who are not religious. They may not be anti-religious, but they're not religious. Well, maybe they think. I mean, I know that the Democratic Party did a you know concerted effort in 2008, maybe even in 2012, to reach out to religious voters, but. Do you think they're still doing that? Like, do you think that they are going out of their way to go to churches, go <clears throat> meet with religious leaders, that sort of thing? I think they still are. Yeah, I, I don't think you that's think so? I don't okay. think that's going to stop anytime soon because, I mean, we are talking about the majority of people in America right. here and you go where they are. I mean, you have to if you're a candidate. So yeah. that doesn't bother me yeah. so much as I'm just I'm always surprised when it's like you have all these people there. Uh, why not even talk to them? And maybe maybe the thinking is, well, they're going to vote for me no matter what. Right. So I don't need to try that hard. Or maybe their right. stance on, say, gay marriage or women's rights or something is kind of the best way they know how to. Because yeah. they assume, and obviously, you know, atheists don't necessarily vote as a block. But, but we do. <laughs> but a little bit. But right. so maybe they think, okay, if I say, if I come out for gay marriage, if I come out for women's rights, that is, that's my kind of hat tip to you guys. Yeah, we're speaking in code. We're, yeah. <laughs> to, to the base. Well, I do want to. I 
want to make a point from I, I went to both conventions in 2008 and two, uh, well in 2008 I went to both Democratic and the Republican conventions and I was so fascinated because at the Democratic one they had all these like sort of official religion things like they had an interfaith service they had a, a panel I mean it's so official like this is where the religious people are whereas the Republican Party was so the opposite. They they did one prayer breakfast and it was like really far from the RNC and um you know that everybody was drinking uh, orange juice huh. out of plastic cups and having bagels. I mean it was so unofficial, it was laughable. Um and so I you know I finally asked her it was like why doesn't the Republican Party reach out to religious voters in a more formal way? And they said, Well, we um we have evangelicals in leadership in the party. Like we don't have to do anything right. formal to reach out to them because they're just in the ranks, you know, whereas the democratic party is having to sort of figure this out um, and start from scratch. So I wonder if in the same way, sort of people who are un- religiously unaffiliated are already part of the democratic party and they don't need to, you know, either in leadership or otherwise, and they don't need to, um, you know, sort of make official, uh, outreach plan yeah. to get them. I, th- I think you may actually have a point. I, I don't doubt that there are people uh, in our ranks, in the in the Democratic ranks, who are not religious right. at all, uh, but they never say it out loud because they can't. It's a death <laughs> it's, sentence, politically it's a de- speaking. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, Bill de Blasio actually is a, is a counterexample. I did a piece uh, in January about how he's like the biggest example of someone who can be religiously unaffiliated. And yet, even though he's religiously unaffiliated, he does a concerted effort to reach out to, you know, the constituents in New York, whether it's Jewish leaders, Catholic leaders, um, black Protestant leaders. Again, like he, even though he's unaffiliated, he's still reaching out to religious leaders. Yeah. And, and I don't think anyone has a problem with that. I mean, I would love no. to. I don't mind that. I would love to see more of that. I would also like to see them just mention us. I mean, one of the biggest things I remember uh, was during Obama's uh, inauguration. I, I forgot if it was 2008 or 2012. But he said something like, we're a nation of, you know, Hindus and Jews and Muslims and, and non-believers. And, it's and we like, lost our minds. Oh, my God. We went crazy. It's like, oh, my God. He said our name. <laughs> he said a thing. <laughs> he knows who we are. <laughs> I remember that. And it's like, really? That's what we got excited about? He mentioned our name once and we were so excited because he he pandered to us he knows we exist (laughs) let me let me shift gears for a little bit uh sarah i don't know if you still contribute to get religion but you used to um what uh, the whole premise of the blog is that the mainstream media really doesn't understand religion and oftentimes they do a poor job of reporting on it um in your perspective you know what what are the biggest things that journalists and, and opinion writers uh, and bloggers, what don't people get about religion? Yeah, so I don't contribute to Get Religion, even though I still read it and still talk to the talk to the people over there. Um, great blog. I um, So my frustration is not necessarily with religion reporters. You know, people are sort of... Um, you know, paid to be experts on just religion specifically. It's more with uh, general assignment reporters or other reporters, politics reporters, even sports reporters on occasion. And I could say this because my husband's a sports reporter. <laughs> we talk a lot about, um, he he, uh, he works for ESPN, and I, we talk a lot about how, um, you know, like sports reporters or politics reporters will just completely miss a religion angle when it's staring them in the face. There are occasions, um, 
there are occasions when they fake, you know, certain reporters, I would name like John Ward at the Huffington Post or McKay Coppins at BuzzFeed, where they figure out sort of a religion angle, um, they'll pick up on it. And I think part of it is they are religious. Um, and so they pick up on, even if it's not their, someone of their faith, they're like, oh, that's interesting, Paul Ryan. For instance, McKay Coppins, who's Mormon, um, has really picked up on Paul Ryan's Catholic faith and how it's impacted his, his poverty, policies on po- poverty. And I and I think it's because he's Mormon that he he would make those connections, whereas somebody who isn't of faith might not see that as something significant. Um, you know, or maybe they would, and 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 I'm not giving them enough credit. But I um I my frustration is when sort of um you know religion is seen as sort of like a, a minor detail, like you know, like when uh, when reporters do stories or like features, they're supposed to put in what's called color, like, uh, you know, oh, she had French tip nails or um, he had blonde hair or that sort of thing. And religion is literally treated like one of those pieces of color as opposed to when, especially when that individual is, the, the faith is, or non-faith. Yeah, it's central to who they are. Yeah, it's core to who they are. Now, if, I've done stories where occasionally I'll say, you know, a non-religion story where I'll just say, by the way, are you religious? You know, like whether I did a piece on an environmental activist and I said, you know, by the way, are you are you religious? And she said, no, not at all. It's not like a thing for me. So then it's not a factor, right? right. It's not, I don't have to I don't have to force it when it's not there. Right. But if it is there and it is sort of the motive, because a lot of people, I know other environmental activists who, you know, the reason they're environmental activists is because they're you know, Christian or something else. Um, and so it, to not put that in there is so, um, it's doing such a disservice to the reader, I think. Um, and, you know, occasionally people will just like mangle faith, right? Like they'll <laughs> write about Mormonism and like laugh about like underwear or something. Right, like, right. It, you know, you get this sort of snarky people who don't really get it or people who call evangelicals evangelists or those as fundamentalist um, as a everyone's a fundamentalist, term. right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. If you have faith, you must be a fundamentalist. Right. Well, and I really picked up on that. You did an interview we mentioned with Malcolm Gladwell when his book David yeah. and Goliath came out. And when I was reading that, it's uh, one of the things when people were talking about your interview with him, it's that oh, did you guys know Malcolm Gladwell was a Christian? And it's such a deep part of who he is and why he wrote. I mean, there's a reason he wrote about David and Goliath. Right. It's a huge part of his faith. And you really brought that out. And I don't think I remember seeing that in any interview with Gladwell anywhere else, at least as much as that. So, I mean, yeah, you picked up on a huge part of his identity that really wasn't covered anywhere else. Right. And that's, I mean, I think people love conversion stories or even like prodigal son stories where it's like Mm -hmm. a return to faith or (laughs) return, you know, I think people, or, or even like when they leave the faith, right? Like Anne Rice, when she left the Catholic Church, it was right. like such a big deal because people recognized that faith was such a big part of her life and to, you know, decide to leave, it's a pretty big deal. So I think, um, I, I, to, some, to me, like uh, the Malcolm Gladwell thing just like hit me in the face when I read his book because there's like a Bible verse in every chapter. I don't yeah. know if you read it, but... It, I did. I read it. And yeah, it definitely stands out. If you're reading it, you pick up on a lot of those Christian references that go beyond David and Goliath. Right. Right. But I, um, so I was a little bit surprised that no one else thought to sort of pick up on it. But 
again, that, that, that was a story that was sort of the book's beat, not, not the religion beat at initially. It was the book's beat. So if you're a, you know, book reviewer or something, you should have picked up on that. Right. But a lot of people, you know, didn't. And I don't know if they didn't know his background or, or what, because I knew it just in my circles, like a lot of Christians love Mount, pre, pre David and Goliath. They love Blink. They love Outliers. They love Malcolm Gladwell. Well, he, he almost books. talks just, like a pastor. I mean, he, yeah. let me give you a, a moral lesson here, mm-hmm. and here's a whole bunch of great examples to support it. I mean, yeah. that's talking like a lot of uh, big pastors. Yeah. But so when that one came out, I was like, this is different. I This is not like the previous ones, and there's something going on here. So. <laughs> Well, I kind of want to go back to something you said a second ago about uh, regarding how big a deal it is for somebody to leave a faith or find a faith. Do you think that that almost makes it harder because it's such a big deal if if Anne Rice loses her faith? It's a news story. Do you think that makes it harder for people to be honest to themselves? Like, I've made my identity as, you know, a Catholic person or a Jewish person, and I no longer feel that way. But if I say it out loud, it's going to become a big it's gonna be a firestorm thing. in some cases. And so people stay there. I mean, the same reason pastors have trouble leaving the church if they lose their faith is because my identity is built around that. But do you think that cheapens, you know, whatever people believe in if they feel like they are trapped in it? Well, I don't I mean, that's a good question. I don't know if I would I, I would say if if someone is fearful of leaving their religion, um, you know, unless they're high profile, I, you know, I don't know that they necessarily care so much about the media coverage or something sure. like that as much as they worry about losing their friend group. Um, if somebody, you know, grows up in a Christian home, goes to Christ, you know, Christian schools or whatever, and then suddenly they decide to leave their faith, they could leave like their whole family and church and small group and all these other things behind. Um, and, and that's like a huge, uh, adjustment and decision but i do think i wonder for politicians you know uh with somebody like um barney frank yeah you know what whether or not it's just simply a political thing um where it's uh not so good to be known as an atheist or well yeah barney um, frank who was openly jewish for all the years he was in congress he said the re he was never religious he said right but he said that the reason he never said that out loud until after he left office is because he didn't want to be seen as anti-semitic by kind of renouncing his his jewish past in Mm -hmm. a sense and i don't know to me that uh, really, no one's going to accuse you of being anti. I wouldn't you know, say nobody. Any, well, I think we've seen the news cycle, <laughs> and we know what people are willing but to yeah, say. But that, that was his fear, though. He didn't yeah. want to be seen as being anti-Jewish, even though he wasn't Jewish, and that's why he didn't come out as as non-religious. The same way people don't often don't self-identify as atheists because they don't want to sound like a religion basher. Right. Like just right. because I'm an atheist doesn't mean I hate religion or think it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Some people do yeah. think that, but they say it. <laughs> they would say it if they thought that. Did you see the survey recently that came out that said, like, if you, unless you're Jewish, if you put religion on your your resume resume. or whatever, it's it's a mark against you. Um, So I think these are touchy things. And um, to leave your faith is no small thing. Um, And that, you know, and for some people, it's like leaving a cultural identity um, and leaving your friends and family, like I said. And a lot of people have given money and time to these organizations. It's no small thing to feel like you've invested in something just only to 
you know, decide to turn away. Yeah, Danielle Dennett's written a lot about that. You've invested so much of your time, your money, your energies into promoting, you know, your religious belief, and then you lose it and you're like, ah, I don't, don't throw really good money it. out yeah. after bad. Exactly. Um, let me ask you, because you grew up in a religious background, because you went to a religious college, and because you've been writing about this stuff for, for a while now, what have you learned about your own faith uh, since really going into journalism? Um, yeah, so, uh, it's tricky, because I think, uh, for, for instance, um, I, again, I sort of always compare religion reporting to sports reporting, because I think it's very similar, because mm-hmm. you have, like, fans, and you have people who are obsessed, and, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing, uh, with different, you know, whether it's a sports team or religion, right. So let's say let's say you're a sports reporter and you're covering the Boston Red Sox and you you grew up Boston you know you grew up in Boston you love the Boston Red Sox you you know you've always this is your dream beat right well when you're reporting I'm I'm guessing you're you're finding out some not so hot things maybe there are drugs maybe there are you know just some of the like sad negative stories of sports in the last couple of years may come out um, and so you're you know I, I i would imagine that those beat reporters might start to get a little cynical um <laughs> and i sorry no that that sounds about right that sounds like you're going to yeah. discover a lot of things so you didn't I know about that to religion too like i think it's it, it can be easy to get cynical or get discouraged or get um you know because you're con- every day you're reading stories about abuse um maybe sex abuse maybe it's fine you you read sort of the negative side, but I think there are tons of also like positive stories where you see religion as a force for good and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So I think in some ways I've I probably have questioned my faith more than my peers, and just because because you know, you've seen the seedy underbelly of religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the same time, the at least for me, the point of religion is not. Uh, individuals, because the point of my faith, being a Christian, is that uh, people are, you know, do have a sinful nature, and thankfully we have somebody who, you know, was risen for the dead and saved, you know, people's sins and that sort of thing. So my hope is not in individual people. Um, And so I don't know if that's helpful, but that's sort of where I'm coming from, and so that's how I'm able to sort of reconcile covering this of religion while being somebody who's of faith. Well, I love your comparison between sports and religion. It's one I've made a lot because I am a lifelong Cubs fan. I'm sorry. I know. It's the worst. Yeah. But and, and really when it gets down to the, you know, I can say why I love the Cubs. I can say why I love Wrigley Field, even though it's objectively not great. <laughs> and I think it's the same as like if I asked somebody like, why are you a Christian? And you can give me a million reasons right. why you're a Christian. But really what it comes down to yeah. is you're probably raised a Christian. I was born on, on the north side yeah. of Chicago. And <laughs> no my... one just becomes a Cub fan Wait, later in life. No, come on. <laughs> Um, I was just at a Cubs game this week, and we lost. I'm sorry. So <laughs> there you go. I ate a whole bag of peanuts. Um, but no, I, I think it comes down to, like, this, this is just what I know, and this is kind of what makes me happy, even though it makes me miserable. But yeah. go Cubs, go. Do you ever, Sarah, do you ever get frustrated when you read stories specifically about your faith? And, and maybe they're, they're good or they're bad, but you're like, this is not the church I know. This is not the faith I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I don't Can know if that hits. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that hits you more time. being a writer about it. All the time, all, all the time. Like I um, will see. So um, 
sometimes it's like um, watching like a reporter walk into a zoo and write about the zoo experience that he had today. And that, that's literally how I feel sometimes about people who um, write about faith. Um, they're sort of seeing the exotic animals and taking a tour of, of the day. Um, so that's kind of fun and interesting. Uh, but I also, I don't know, I, I'm not too worried in that, um, like my job especially is not to be a PR person for God or anybody else. Like my job is to sort of document religion as I see it. And as I think, you know, it's changing, um, whether it's good or bad, I don't care. doesn't matter. Um, that's, you know, my job is, you know, from modern historian, right? The first draft of history. And, and that's not to be like, a, again, a PR or tough stories about the, about religion. It's to really figure out like what, actually is happening in the in churches and mosques and synagogues and that sort of thing. One of the, uh because you worked for a college newspaper and then you when you did Christianity Today were you you were the online editor but did a lot of the stuff you yeah. wrote there also go into the print publication? Yeah, well I would write specifically for print about once a month. So Okay, and then now you're writing for Religion News Service which is almost entirely online. I don't know how much of their stories actually get into the Washington Post or other publications that post them. Yeah, I, they do quite a bit, actually. What um, is, is there a difference? The, yeah. Is there a difference? Um, well, yeah, my yeah, question is, no, like, is there a difference between the, like, a print publication and moving into a journalism world that really is taking place online more so than it does into print? Right. So, uh, so Arnest distributes to a mix of print and online publications, and um, so, like, some, the Washington Post would pick up some of our stories in print, but everything runs on, on their website. Um, Christian Century, for instance, picks up all of our, or a lot of our stories for print. Um, so it's a mix. Uh, it's, it's less of a, like, print online distinction in that, well, at Christianity Today, they would, sometimes they would get, like, four or five pages to do a bigger story. I did a couple of cover stories while I was there. And you just get more time and more space. And um, and I think, too, like Christianity Today is trying to be somewhat like the Atlantic for Christians, where they want to be... They want long, like, in-depth pieces. Long, in-depth ideas, very ideas-oriented, yeah. this kind of theology included. Um, and so that was tricky because, you know, I'm very much a reporter and just, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to change anybody's minds or, um, for the most part, in my writing, but I am you know, maybe I'll do a feature and make an argument that something is happening. Yeah. Um, so, but for RNS, the biggest distinction is it is a non-religious outlet, even though we cover religion, we're non-religious. Right. Um, and so, you know, my, the, the fact that I'm a, you know, person of faith or no faith, or, you know, my colleagues are, have faith or no faith, doesn't matter. Um, everyone covers everything. Um, and it's from a non-religious point of view. Now we're, you know, trying to capture what people's views are, but it's not, my, mine is irrelevant. Right, right. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois. And if you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant, that's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. This is Jessica Blumke. Thanks for stopping by. Hopefully you'll join us next time.